Well, in a past life, when I was much younger, I served as a computer technician. I, I helped people, people with their computer problems. Um, oftentimes, I would walk them through the process of finding and fixing their problems, usually over the phone. It was a great learning experience and a, and a, and a big character builder. And I say that all to say it was a hard job. Um, they would tell me what's on their screen or what's not on their screen or what lights are showing up or how they can't get to this website. And, and after a while, after doing this for some time, I began to create this mental list of, of things that I needed to rule out, things I needed to ask, questions I needed to ask uh, in, in a very specific order. Because earlier on, I'd ask questions like, okay, well, what do you see on your screen? Uh, nothing. Okay, well... Uh, you know, uh, move the cursor around. Is, is anything happening? Is it waking up? Is what waking up? Is the screen? No. It's okay. What do you see now? Nothing. Okay. Well, press the keyboard, enter key. Okay. Anything happen? No. And then I'd sit back and. What lights do you see? What do you mean lights? No lights. Any lights? Any, is there a light on in the room? Yes. Okay. Good. Are you staring at a square, flat surface that you understand to be a monitor? Yes. Okay, good. Is there a light on that monitor? No. Okay, let's go ahead and turn that monitor on. Okay, good. Still nothing? All right, well, look under your desk. Is there a big box there? Yes. Are there any lights? No. Okay, well, let's look for this little round button with a, a, a little power. Oh, okay, turn that on. Did it do anything? No. Okay. Well, behind that box, there's a little cable. Oh, yeah, I didn't plug it in. Okay, let me do that. Let me plug it in. Oh, it's working. <sighs> and so one of the first things I actually, uh, this, I wish I could say I was joking, and, and if you were on the under, other end of these calls, I apologize. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Um, this is a learning process for both the, the helpee and the helper. But I began to ask the question, is the computer plugged in and powered on? Understanding the problem, knowing what the real problem is, makes the solution much, much clearer. And, and we live in a world where we have problems. We as people have problems. If, if you live any length of time, you understand that people generally speaking, have problems. But there's not necessarily an agreement about what the main, what the, what the basic problem is. You know, some people say, we need to just make sure everyone gets better education. You know, we need, we need to make sure everyone's literate, that they're good in, in STEM. You know, it, it really, it sh has shifted in the last 20 years, I guess, from, from uh, reading, writing, arithmetic to, to really STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and those are great things, but, but I don't know that they're the core issue. Sometimes people say, well, we need better access to resources. You know, this is a community, there are people who are unders underserved in this community, and they need access to resources, and, and that's true. We serve with Mobile Hope, and we try to provide resources and help to our community because they do need access to resources, but that's not the main point. Some people say, we need more governmental uh, help. We need the government to do more. That's the big problem. And then other people in this church have a different view that says we need the government to do less stuff. 
And so we have to be careful as we're communicating what we believe to be the main problem, right? Because there are people right next to us who may disagree. And on and on, we can talk all day about the problems that, that people think that the world has. But the Bible says that we have one main problem. It says it different ways, but it says that we have one main problem. In 2 Corinthians, this is a letter that, that a guy named Paul wrote. He was one of the followers of Jesus Christ. And, and he says this. He says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. The God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They can't see. What can't they see? They can't see the light of the good news of Christ's glory. You see, Jesus is awesome. God is awesome. We sing about how God is good. But the problem is we don't see it. When we see Jesus, when the world sees Jesus, they see an old man teaching helpful lessons, maybe a, a guy who could speak um, proverbial wisdom, but we don't see God, that God has come to earth and that he's come to, to fix our problems. And because we don't see that, we don't appreciate God for who he is, and that is our problem. And so today we're going to see that Jesus came to give us sight, okay? All right, everyone stand up. Kids, you too. And we're going to read John chapter 1, verses, or John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. This is the word of the Lord. That means that this is what God has told us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have shown your love to us by sending Jesus, that God, you decided to be born, to take on humanity, a human body, and a human mind, and a human heart, and live a life that we all should live, a life of obeying God. And God, we thank you that Jesus, you not only lived the life that we should have lived, but you died on the cross. And you, you experienced the, the punishment that we all deserve. But you didn't stay dead, God, and we thank you for that. You rose again from the dead, living now, not just in your spirit, but also in your body. And you offer life 
and sight to us. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to see you more clearly in your word. Pray that you would help us to appreciate you in, our, in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. This morning, I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about our condition, namely blindness. Secondly, I want to talk about Jesus' commission to be the light of the world. And third, I want to talk about the combination of our condition and Jesus' commission, sight. We're going to talk about the condition, the commission, and the combination. So what is our condition? Well, if we were to back up and, and listen to th- this story, as we've been going through John, you see that, that the other parts of the story matter. So when you, when you read a book, you, you don't just jump in the middle of the story. You don't start reading chapter 5, or you can, but it doesn't make a ton of sense unless you've read chapter 4, chapter 3, chapter 2, chapter 1. And the same is true of this narrative that, that John gives us. And so in chapter 8, Jesus tells uh, some people that he's the light of the world. In fact, he has this conversation with these religious leaders where he tells them, I am the light of the world. In verse 12, Jesus spoke and he says to them, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When we, when we follow Jesus, we have the light of life. And elsewhere, the Bible talks about Jesus is eternal life. Now, in this conversation he has with these religious leaders, they don't believe that he is the light of the world. They don't believe that he is the Son of God. They are very hard-hearted. They're very, um, what's the word, Um, disobedient, um, unwilling to listen, arrogant. And so by the end of this dispute, the end end of the argument, things get mounted up and, 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 and heavier and, and it almost seems like they're, they're getting angrier. And eventually Jesus goes ahead and says, you know what guys, if you, if you really were following God, you would receive me. But you don't receive me, you don't believe in me, you don't trust in me because you follow your father. And they're like, our father is Abraham. These were Jewish people, Jewish men who believed that they had descended from Abraham who was the, the father of this nation. But he was saying, Jesus was saying, you are known by your behavior and by your commitment, not just by um, who, who your mom and dad were. And your commitment, your, your decision of, of how to live says that you're not a follower of Abraham, you're not a son of Abraham, but you're actually a son of the devil. Now, most people don't like it when you call them a son of the devil. This was similar for them, and so they uh, pick up stones to try and kill him. Now, Jesus is... He's good at getaways, and so he, he sneaks away. And so that opens up to chapter 9. So we see these people who we could say are spiritually blind. They don't get it. And then Jesus comes and encounters this physically blind man. It says in verse 1, As he passed by, talking about Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. He sees this man. He's blind. He's been that way since birth. He doesn't know what colors are. At least he doesn't know it in an experiential way. He doesn't know what things look like. He's lived his whole life without a sense of, of, of God's creation visually received. And he's likely 
begging and depending upon the charity of others. And what does Jesus do? But he sees them. He doesn't ignore the blind man. He doesn't walk by. He doesn't, uh, he, the blind man doesn't blend in. You know, when you're, when you're driving through D.C., if you, if you work in D.C., sometimes the people who are, are begging or panhandling on the sides of the road, they begin to just blend in. We don't see them. We don't see their problems. We don't see their issues. But Jesus sees them. That's good news. It's good news because it means that Jesus sees us as well. You've come with a bag full of problems, issues, challenges, and you want Jesus to see you. You want him to stop and look at you and to provide his solution for your life. Jesus sees this man. Your pain and your struggles are not unknown to him. You may not know what's on the other side of your story like we've been able to see what the other side of this man's story is, but, but you can know that if Jesus sees you, he's going to do something. So Jesus sees him, and, and his disciples, it says in verse 2, ask him, Rabbi, who, or teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They, they ask this theological question, this question about God. They think, okay, this guy has got disability, he's begging on the side of the road, he's clearly not not experiencing a good life, something must have gone wrong. Someone must have sinned. This must clearly be the punishment of God. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever done something bad and thought, clearly what's happened is the punishment of God? And I'm not talking about jail. I'm not talking about the, the, the earthly justice that, that happens. But I'm saying when we see our circumstances, sometimes don't we do that? We begin to say, ah, oh, you know, things are going bad at work. It must be because I, you know, I haven't read my Bible enough. You know, I had, I had a fight with my spouse. Uh, that, that must clearly be the reason that, that this bad thing is happening. They had this idea of God that you, you put in good, you get good from God, right? You give God good things, you perform well, and God gives you good things. You perform poorly, you do badly, you get bad things. And they thought that you could sin in the womb. Like, maybe that's a possibility. That's I got the card stacked up badly enough that without God counting what I did in the womb, I'd, I don't know. I can't imagine that I did a whole lot. Maybe I was lazy, I, but uh, I don't know. You look at it one way. They're very busy babies building themselves, but anyways. But Jesus sidesteps the question entirely. He answers, it was not that this man sinned or his parents sinned, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. The principle here is that God will allow pain in our lives in order to show us his power and his provision. Sometimes, sometimes you experience real significant pain in order for God to show his provision. And I don't know about you, that's an encouragement for me. That gives dignity to our suffering. It gives dignity to to. Um, our pursuit of, of wholeness, it, it allows us to, to say, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you, God, and I can come to you with my brokenness. I can come to you with my problems. I can come to you with my broken body, with the things that aren't working. I can, I can say, God, would you touch me? Would you heal me? Would you fix this? And God is, or sorry, John is about to show us something about what happens when the blind, both physical and spiritual, encounter Jesus. 
So we see the condition of, of blindness, both of the Pharisees in chapter 8 and, and this man in chapter 9. And in verses 4 and 5, we hear Jesus give a commission. He says in verse 4, he says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, as you're reading this, it's a little abrupt. It, it feels like a strange... I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with someone and you're talking and you're tracking, you're tracking, and then they say something and you're like, we made a turn and I don't know how. I don't know why we're here. I'm a little confused. Um, but it's important that in verse 6 he says, having said these things. So clearly in Jesus' mind, verses 4 and 5 set up what's happening in verse 6 and following where, where he heals this man. And so what does he say? He says, we've got to work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You see, Jesus is drawing us back to chapter 8. And in chapter 8, he was talking to the Pharisees and saying, hey, I am the light of the world. He was, he was speaking to their blindness and saying, I want you to see. He was speaking to their, their unwillingness to hear him as God and saying, I'm the light of the world and giving them opportunity to see. It, it'd be almost like Jesus taking a flashlight to someone who was physically blind and shining it in their eyes with the hope that they would see. Now, the Pharisees did not because of their, their stubbornness. But here he says it again. He says, I am the light of the world. And then he does something really kind of funny. He spits on the ground. How, kids, this is one occasion where you probably should not do what Jesus does. What would Jesus do? He would spit on the ground. Um, he spits on the ground and he makes some mud. And, and there are a lot of people who, who have studied this and, okay, why does he do it this way? What is it? Maybe the saliva he, they thought had some sort of medicinal healing effect. Um, one commentator said, you know what, it seems like he's taking mud, and, and in Genesis, the Bible tells us that, that God created man from the ground, and so maybe he's recreating his eyes. I, I like to think that that might be the case, but uh, we don't know for certain. But he, he makes some mud, and he puts it on this guy's eyes, um, and he goes, and he's about to heal him. So we, we hear him give this commission, or his, his commission of being the light of the world, and we, we hear him responding to this blind man who has the condition of being blind, and he, he puts mud on his eyes. And, and it doesn't slow down, but I want you to think about what it was like for the blind guy. He doesn't, hear, he doesn't see what's going on. He's, he's begging. I mean, you could, you could close your eyes in this moment and imagine it, he hears this guy begin to talk, and he hears him saying, we must work the works of him who sent me. I am the light of the world. And he's thinking to himself, what's going on? Maybe he has curiosity hearing Jesus describe himself as the light of the world. What does that mean? What does it mean that he's the light of the world? Then the initial alarm and confusion when Jesus puts mud on his eyes. I don't know if you've ever had someone poke your eyes or kind of get in your face, but it's, it, it's aggressive, even when it's gentle, it's aggressive. If you have a sibling, you know this. And, and, and so he, maybe he 
shakes a bit or we don't know, flinches, but Jesus gently puts it on his eyes. And then the, the timidity and, the, and the, the hope when Jesus says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And, and so he gets up and, I mean, he, he can't see where he's going. Maybe he gets his cane and he, he knows the way, but he has to obey Jesus. So he goes and he obeys Jesus and he walks. And, and you wonder what he's thinking in that moment. What am I doing here? But maybe I'll be healed. Maybe this is going to do something. What is, this, what is he going to do? Who is this guy? And he goes and he washes. And light floods his eyes in a way that's never happened. I don't, I don't know what it's like to go from not having a sense to now having a sense. But I'm sure it was both overwhelming and awesome. All the thoughts he had, all the, the ideas of what reality looked like are being like changed and transformed. Some of them are being crushed. He was wrong. It wasn't like that. Oh, and, and now he's like, oh, that's what green is. That's what blue is. That's what the sky looks like. This is what light feels like. And he's, he's, his mind is blown. And he goes back. And it's funny because John says in very simpler terms, simple terms, so he went and he washed and he came back seeing. But he was amazed. If you keep going in the, in the story, uh, you find out that Jesus becomes a, a point of interest for this man. That he isn't just interested in the physical healing. Um, but that, that this has changed him. You know, when I was in high school, I, I really enjoyed chemistry. Um, probably not for the reasons that I ought to have enjoyed chemistry. But I did, and one of the neat things we did was we took magnesium. So magnesium, you, you, apparently you can get it in like strips of metal, right? They're kind of spooled to get together, but it's this thin strip of metal. And our professor, our teacher, she set it on fire, right? She, she lit one end of it on fire. And when you add magnesium and fire, you get the brightest light I've ever seen. I mean, it's, it's worse, it's brighter and better and worse than when uh, you accidentally turn on your iPhone light in the middle of the night and blind yourself, right, right? Or, or your spouse, right? It's, it's, it's brighter than you can ever imagine, right? Just these two things brought together creates amazing light that is, is undeniable. And when Jesus enters in the life of this man and his blindness meets Jesus' commission, his condition meets this man's commission, you have this combination that produces sight, And later on in, in, in chapter 9, the man formerly blind has a conversation with Jesus. It says in John chapter 9, verses 35 through 39, Jesus heard that they had cast. So this man has a conversation with those same Jewish leaders, and, and, and they're like, what was going on? They have some disagreements with him. And so they actually kick him out of the temple or out of the, the synagogue. And Jesus heard that he had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. How, how cool would it have been to have heard Jesus, felt Jesus, and come back and now see Jesus? He answered, you've seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he says, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. He worshipped him. The Pharisees who did not see Jesus for who he was were spiritually blind. 
And, and Jesus says in verse 39, For judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. The man who was blind was granted not only physical sight, but, but spiritual sight. And today, you and I, we are given the opportunity as we listen to this story, we're given the opportunity to see Jesus. Not just as a guy, not just as as a mythical character in history, not just as someone who can give us uh, life hacks to live a better life now, but as the Son of God who brings eternal life and restores our relationship with God. Jesus came to seek and to save His teaching was not intended to be entertaining. It was intended to take people from death to life. Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter 1. And instead of using the metaphor of blindness, he uses the metaphor of death. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead in your sinfulness. Unresponsive to God. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love for us made made us what? Alive in Christ. By grace you've been saved. And today, family... You have an opportunity to trust him. If you've never trusted him, you have an opportunity to trust him for the first time. And if you have trusted him, you have an opportunity to renew that trust, to go back and, and remember the time you first saw, and to thank God for his goodness, like we sang. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you give spiritual sight. We thank you that you show us your love. Show us your faithfulness. Show us your kindness, that you open our eyes to see amazing things. And I pray that you would grant spiritual sight to the people in this room. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you want to today, would you just raise your hand? Once that hand's up, you can put it back down. And I want you just to pray with me. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to turn away from everything that I know that is wrong, and I want to turn to you. Help me to love you and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, kids, you did it. You're so quiet. It was awesome. Come on up and have a seat. Awesome. Thank you for coming up, guys. Hey, buddy. Hi. Some handsome and pretty people. Mom and Dad, you can come up, too, if you want to sit with your kid. I'm happy for that. Come on up. Come sit beside me, AJ. Come here. You're going to sit with me, though, okay? We're not going to stand and run around. You want to sit right here? Okay. So we're going to read. I've got some notes, okay? You want to ask them, what's your favorite color? I, uh, I don't really have one favorite color. You don't have a lot of favorite colors. What, does anyone have a favorite color? Most of you. Okay. Yes. What's your favorite color? Dark blue, I like that. You, there's some nuance there. Yes, sir. Dark blue, okay, we got some, several dark blues. Yes, ma'am. Light red. 
I knew like three colors when I was your age, for better or worse. I'm impressed. Yes, ma'am, in the back. Blue? Blue and red? No pinks or greens or any greens? You like green? Okay. I don't have one favorite color. Color agnostic. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, I got it. But, but green is one of them. Green is one of them. Awesome. I appreciate that. You're, you're a man of many colors. Okay. Um, what's, who's got a favorite animal? Yes, what's your favorite animal? Um, a puppies. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. A cat. A cat? Kittens. Kittens? In the back? A baby cat? Kittens, okay. There's a trend here. Cats and dogs, all right. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Again. Lemurs, okay. Yes, sir. Cheetahs? James. Scor- scorpions? We're going to have a conversation afterwards. Okay. That's great. I'm glad. Just hopefully not a pet. But that can be, that's a good favorite. They're, they're like nature's tanks. Um, okay, I, maybe one more. Kevin. An elephant. Okay, good. What would it be like if you couldn't see your favorite color or you'd never seen your favorite animal? It'd be kind of sad, right? Yeah, we wouldn't be able to see colors or animals or the sky or, or the things around us. We might be able to hear them. We could probably smell an elephant, right? I don't know if we want to smell elephants as much as look at them. Right, we could feel a cat, but we wouldn't be able to necessarily see them. You know, I talked about it in, in the Bible, in, in, a, in a letter called the Gospel of John, this guy who followed Jesus named John wrote a story, or he, he recorded a story. He, did, he didn't make it up, but he tells us a story about this guy who's blind. You guys know what, what it means to be blind? He couldn't see, okay? And sometimes when other people would see people who were broken or their bodies were not working the way they should have, um, they looked for someone to blame. And so Jesus sees this guy who is blind, and his, his followers, they, they look and they say, Jesus, who messed up? H- how did this happen? And, and he wanted to show the man, Jesus wanted to show the man, and he wanted to show his disciples and the people who were watching that, you know what, God cares about people with disabilities. Did you know that? God cares about people with bodies that weren't, don't work the way that our bodies do. And not only that, God... I know Jesus is, is alive in me. Yes, that's right. He's alive in you. That's good. And not only that, he, he wants to help people. And sometimes he, he wants to heal people and show how powerful he is, right? So do you guys know what Jesus did to heal the man? Did he take him to the doctor, to the laser eye surgeon? No. Did he give him glasses? No. No? Yes, sir. He put mud in his He did. And how did he make the mud? This is the best part for you guys. Spit. There we go. It wasn't just water. It was spit. He took spit. And this is not something we should... Please don't go after church and, and try and do this to your brother or sister, Okay. This is, this, we don't do this, okay? Jesus did it. He had a purpose and a plan. Don't do it. But he took some spit, and he mixed it with the dirt, and he put it on the guy's eyes. And you know what's cool about that? 
You know how God made people? In the beginning, when God was making everything, the Bible says that he formed Adam, that he, he shaped him. Have you guys ever played with clay? And have you ever made something? Play-Doh. It's like Play-Doh, yes, but doesn't taste as good. Um, yes. And so Jesus, he picks up the clay and puts it on the guy's eyes, and it's almost like when God created everything, and he tells him, go over there and, and wash off. And what happens? He could see. That's right. How cool would it be if you had never seen, but then you got to see? It'd be like the first time you tasted your favorite dessert. It would be life-changing, right? And because, because he, he got healed, he believed that Jesus was the Son of God. You know, the Bible says that you and I are blind too. AJ, sit down. I don't want you to fall. Your parents wouldn't like that. The Bible says that you and I, we're blind. Did you know that? But we're not blind like this guy was blind. The Bible says that we don't, when we look at Jesus, sometimes we don't see how great he is, how awesome he is. Sometimes we see him as a wasted time. Sometimes we see Jesus and we think, okay, well, that's not that big of a deal. But Jesus came so that we could see how great he is. Okay? Can we pray and thank God for Jesus? Let's pray. Put your hands together. Right? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Don't talk to the people next to you. Don't touch the people next to you. God, thank you that you love us and you sent Jesus to give us sight. God, I pray that you would bless every one of these children and that you would give them sight. Lord, that you would grant them, even in their early ages, to see how great you are. And Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in this generation of children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys. Great job. Go sit down. All right. Ready? One, two, three. That was a fun experiment. It worked really well. Good job, guys. going to come up, right? Okay, good. Well, family, I know we had a fun moment there, and we had the kids at the end, because otherwise, if they do it on the front end, then you, it's hard to reel them back in after the fact, and you're adults. But I, I just want to say, if God has done something in your heart, even though we shifted gears a little bit, you can, you can plug back in. So after service, I want to encourage you, if, if God moved on your heart and you wanted to respond to him, would you come down and pray with one of the people down here? If you got challenges that you need to bring to God, if there's brokenness in your life that you, you want to pray with someone that God would touch and address, would you come down here and pray with us? We want to minister to you, and we want for God to minister to you. Um, but it's a privilege to be with you, and I thank you for, for everyone's really good attention. <laughs> Lord God, we, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for these children. 
God, we thank you for your heart to heal the broken, to give sight to the blind, and to give life to the sinner. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, family. Thank you.